Today I'm actually going to be speaking about grandparenting. Hey, what a thought. Talking about grandparenting. In fact, I actually it was about a year ago I had this thought. Uh, I should say something to the grandparents. And, and it's, it's been just kind of like I didn't get a chance to really get to it. And, 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 and here recently I, read a, um, I came across a book that kind of just reminded me of that desire that I had to speak to the generation of grandparents. But not just to speak to them, really to speak to everybody about grandparenting and what God's idea for grandparenting really is all about. Okay, So um, the Bible is... We often talk about, you know, what Scripture says about, you know, husbands, wives, parents, children, and, and how God speaks to these different generations with encouragement and instruction. But, but I've honestly, I've never been in a church service where somebody spoke on grandparenting. I don't know if y'all have been. Huh? Have y'all ever been in a... So, so, so today we're going we're gonna to do this. And, and yeah, I know that grandparenting doesn't necessarily start when you're retired. Some of y'all are, are really like, like, like young grandparents, <laughs> right? <laughs> Some of you became grandparents like way before you even thought you would. But grandparenting is also a, it's a generation. It's a season of life that God actually has a great purpose for. And um, for us to, to, to benefit from that, we need to first and foremost as grandparents understand what our purpose is for this season. And then second, everybody else needs to understand what <laughs> the purpose of grandparents are in this season for us to receive that from grandparents, right? Because because. I think some, somewhat because nobody really speaks about this much, we've kind of been left to our own, you know, reasoning and, and, and configuring what, what grandparenting should be all about. And, and there's a lot of, like, ideas floating around in culture <laughs> about what grandparenting is for and what grandparenting is about. And, 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 and if you just think of it now, you know, you go like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, um, we have these jokes. You know, the one joke is that, uh, you know, grandkids are a grandparent's reward for not killing their own children. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, so we have these, these, these ideas that culture speaks to, but I want to really speak from a biblical perspective today. Um, and because the Bible doesn't really use the word grandparent much, I don't think it actually uses that at all. It speaks about fathers. Right? And when the Bible speaks about fathers, because of the patriarchal uh, context in which the Bible was written, um, it, it naturally refers to parental authority. And so it includes the role of mothers in the family. But the Bible talks about fatherhood. It talks about family. And it talks about a multi-generational concept of family. You know, there are churches that, that really focus on, 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 on specific generations. And, and, and we're not that kind of church. We're really a multi-generational church. Um, and I still believe that a church that is going to last will have a healthy imbalance toward younger people. Um, but I do believe that if you're still breathing, that you still have purpose. And, and I always say this, if, if people around you aren't benefiting from your presence then you're not walking in your purpose yet. 
See, our purpose is not self-centered. Purpose is always other-centered. And through giving, the receiving and the validation and the, and the, and the enjoyment of, their, of that comes. But I believe God wants us to renew our vision of, of what grandparenting is about. And so um, we, need, we need to extract some principle in the context of what the Bible talks about, which is a multi-generational family. Which means that when, the, when, when, when God speaks to, um, to, to, to fathers, to mothers, to parental authority, He's really not just speaking to immediate fathers. He's also speaking to the patriarchs, the matriarchs of family. He's speaking to the family as a whole. And so today's scripture verses you'll, you'll hear are, are probably just always thought of in terms of immediate parenting. But they really not just apply to immediate parenting. And, and you'll see as some of them refers to generations to come or children's children. And we miss that because that really is a reference to the continued influence and the continued function and purpose of grandparents. Once they have, um, their kids have, 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 uh, have children as well. So I'm going to be presenting a whole lot of thoughts about this topic today. And, um, and, and the chances are that whether you are a grandparent or whether you're not a grandparent, you might have bought into some cultural lies about what the role of grandparenting is all about. And so we're going we're gonna to get into some of that today. And a lot of the thoughts that, that, that helped me shape was from this book and the Bible that um, a guy called Josh Mulvihill wrote. So I'm actually recommending a, a series of books here for you guys to go and further read about this because, um, man, I, I, could, I could basically take topics like headings of things and just build out and, and take scripture to, to corroborate what, what this person is saying about grandparenting. Um, but let me just read you who he is um, to encourage you to go and read more of his material. Um, he's the executive director of, a ch of, of church and family ministry called Renew a Nation where he equips parents and grandparents to disciple their families and consults with church leaders to help them design Bible-based, Christ-centered children's, youth, and family ministries. Josh has served as a pastor for nearly 20 years, and he's the founding member of the Legacy Coalition. He is a PhD from Southern Baptist Theolog Theological Seminary, and uh, his PhD was on the role of the season, uh, godly, uh, uh, God's vision for grandparenting. And the, it's from that research and that study that he developed these books. And you can go and visit gospelshapedfamily.com for more information about this. So let me present you some of his thoughts and some of the thoughts in Scripture and how they echo and confirm one another so that we can understand what is God's vision for grandparenting. We good? All right. Grandparents are instructed to declare God's greatness and mighty acts to future generations. Psalm 145 verse 3 to 4 says this. It says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and they shall declare your mighty acts. So God's idea can be described as, uh, uh, as Christ-centered grandparenting christ-centered grandparenting and building on that argument i want to ask you is for off the off the cuff does this sound like your kind of grandparenting 
the kind of grandparenting philosophy or mindset that you have or the expectation that you have of your grandparents. What do you expect of your parents to your children and grandparents of their grand, grandchildren of their grandparents? Maybe you bought into some of the following cultural lies that are really causing most of this generation to not be really Christ-centered and, and, and fruitful in their role and purpose as grandparents. And, and I want to share with you three of them um, that I believe as Christians, all of us, all generations, we need to reject these ideas of what the season of grandparenting and as that leads into and closer to retirement, also um, talking through what that, you know, would, would how we develop our thoughts and thinking toward that, how God would see that and how the culture sees it and, and what we should reject. And so I'm going to start off with the first one, and it's basically this, that we're taught that as a grandparent, you need to live your life in isolation of your family. Now, I know here in the South, sometimes by virtue of necessity, that hasn't always been the case. Um, our family structures here are actually pretty much very closer. And so many of y'all have become surrogate parents. Many of y'all have, by necessity, had to step in and raise your grandkids. And so for some of you, this might not make sense. But let me tell you, if you're in an environment where you're in a healthy family and where there are healthy families for the most part, grandparents are actually taught by culture and is expected by people to just like, you know, just keep your distance. Don't meddle, don't interfere, don't cross boundaries. Just live your life out there and, you know, uh, we'll be able to, to tell you when and what we want from you. I think the Bible really advocates for a, a multi-generational life. Not just a mono-generational existence where I live within my generation, where I live for my generation and that alone grandparenting look at that my goodness definitely not a, a isolated uh, grandparenting family here <clears throat> but we're taught don't interfere don't overstep don't be a burden um you got to do you and we'll do us now here's something really important to understand there is a dividing line between parents and grandparents and the role to grandkids. Absolutely. Parents are the primary caregivers, disciple makers, and raise, children raisers. That, there's no doubt about that. However, the Bible is also very clear that there are benefits to having a village within which to grow up your child. In, in, in biblical times, the understanding was never that you as a nuclear family are, are so isolated from the rest of your family and even the rest of community uh, that there are no cross-influence, there are no contact. But in the Western society, um, we have often moved away from that. And grandparents have become way more isolated and way more independent in a sense. And, 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 and I believe that God wants us to, to, to understand properly and define properly what are those boundaries you know, that I shouldn't cross. But that would allow me to do everything else that I am still able to do and supposed to do from a biblical perspective. 
So let me just submit to you guys a couple of reasons why I believe Christ-centered grandparenting really matter and really is valuable to stay um, and, and keep within a family. The first one is that grandparents offer long-term relationships to their kids. You know, it's, it's, often, um, it's often that, that kids' lives are, 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 are temporary in certain things, you know, Friends like them, then they don't like them. Um, have to move to a different school, have to make new friends. And one thing you see if there's an integrated grandparent is you see a relationship that is continuing throughout the seasons of their lives, throughout the different things that they go through, the changes that they go through. And that, um, that, that gives them a sense of consistency and a sense of stability to know that they have those type of relationships in their lives. Like a father, like I said, some of these scripture verses talk about fathers, but in a biblical mindset, fathers are more than just my biological father. Fathers are also my grandparents, and they're also even some of the spiritual fathers of my community. Proverbs 23 verse 26 says this, that fathers are to tell their grandkids, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Now imagine if, 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 if a grandchild knows that there is a father figure in addition to their father figure that echoes what their father is teaching them from a biblical perspective, but he's that extra person that they know is always going to be there until the day, obviously, that God comes and their, their life is ended. But there is a season of life where this st- stable relationship that's there is able to provide incredible stability and incredible security for grandkids. Here's another reason why this long-term relationship is so important. Grandparents have, have weathered storms. And they can use their experiences to validate a lot of the truths that Scripture is telling them. Now, listen to this. Every parent needs another adult that echoes what they're trying to teach their children. Every parent needs that. Whether that's a good friend or whether that's a grandparent. And this is where grandparents can be such a value if they come alongside the parental teaching and raising philosophy and they whatever is biblical and whatever is right and good according to God's word is echoed. That becomes a powerful, powerful influence on a young child's heart and even on a mature child or an adolescent or a young teenager, even young adults' hearts. If they see what the, what the parents are teaching from Scripture being echoed, but not only being echoed, being validated through experiences, through being able to say, hey, I've lived through this and I've seen this to be true. Really, really important part of that long-term relationship that you can add value in. The second thing is wisdom. Wisdom, we know, is different from knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulated 
information, but wisdom is the finesse of how to and when to apply that knowledge to life's decisions. And grandparents, having, having had many chances to fail and to fix their, their, you know, their, their lives, are able to apply with wisdom the knowledge that these kids are being taught by their parents. And so grandparents have, have naturally because of life, at least learned what doesn't work. <laughs> right? And so there's a wealth of wisdom. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In verse 6 it says, In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. There's something about a, a person who has gone through a couple of seasons of life that realizes that this is true and can corroborate the truth and can help young people to apply their knowledge in ways that make them succeed in life, life's decisions. The great thing about the presence of a grandparent is that in times of crisis, I don't know what it is about a grandparent's advice in a time of crisis, but it's just, it, it's amazing. When, when it's, it's, it's time for you to listen to somebody other than your parents, and a grandparent is there with great wisdom and biblical advice, it gives a child such an incredible stability and security to take what God is saying as being true and to try and live according to it. The third thing I believe a grandparent can add so much value to a family is this. It's a good name. You know, it takes time to build a good name, right? Now, those of you who have parents who worked with character and built a good name in, let's say, this community, how have, that benef- how have that not benefited you as you became an adult in this community and started interacting with other adults? Like, oh, you're, you're Mike's kid, right? Yes, sir. Wow, that's great. We, we, we know your dad. And, and, and hey, that is valuable if, if somebody, if, if, you've, if you're passing on a good name. More so when your father and mother have perpetuated the development of that and protected and kept that good name and now he's passing it on to you that's become a generational blessing that starts being carried down and you walk into things in town that you have absolutely done nothing for but you have favor why because of a good family name listen to what proverbs 22 says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. Ecclesiastes 7.1, a good name is better than the most expensive luxuries of life. Grandparents have an incredible ability to influence future generations, uh, how they are perceived and how they are received in an environment. Now, we all know that a good name is slowly built, but it can be, it can be broken in an instant, Right? And, and that's why I want to encourage grandparents here to realize the, the danger and the, and, the, and, the, and the, how can I say, um, to realize the, what, what can be lost by throwing away your name. And so really protect 
your name because that's what you start carrying over to your grandkids. The great thing about um, a name is that it, it, through humility and through commitment, it can be rebuilt. If, if there was something that happened um, and th- through humility and through, through commitment and, 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 and committing to being a Christ-centered individual, that can be rebuilt. And that legacy of humility and Christ-likeness can then be passed on to your children and to their children, which is why Christ-like character is such an important aspect and such a valuable thing that grandparents can bring to a family. You know, little eyes are watching. And for them to see your life, it's almost like they're, they're seeing how what they're hearing is possible. They're seeing your life and they're going, all of these opinions that are being shared, well, I believe them. Why? Because I see grandpa lives it out. And it's worked for him. And if it worked for him, it can work for me. Deuteronomy 4 verse 15. Moses instructs their community to watch themselves carefully. Build good character. And it's never too late to start building good character. I know some of y'all have only gotten, really gotten saved while, when you were already grandparents. Let me tell you, the, 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 the bigger you go into this, the quicker you can reestablish Christ-like character, establish a good name. And here's what I want to tell you. If you came to the Lord late in life, I want you to go and sit with the Lord in your quiet time. And I want you to look back on your life and ask God, where was he? Not, not like, oh, you weren't there, God. No, no, no. Ask him to redeem your past. Ask him to show you where he intervened, where he walked with you. Ask him to show you how he defined you. Ask him to show you how he led you even when you weren't a believer in him. Ask him how he lined you up for success. Ask him how he blessed you, provided for you. And you will start seeing miracles that happen in your past that you never even knew about. Things that you received, things that you avoided. That was God's hand on your life. Why? Because God loves people. And while you are still in the process of, of, of becoming saved, of, of being a, becoming a Christian, God wants you, <laughs> he's trying to line you up to see his goodness. The Bible says God's reign falls on the just and on the unjust. God's reign was falling on you even though you were his enemy. Why? Because he wanted you to see his goodness. He's a good father. And he's been having you. He's been guiding you. He's been leading you. And man, he sure hoped that this would have happened earlier, but he's sure glad that it finally did happen. That you came to know him. Let him redeem your past. Let him show you where he was and how he guided and led you. Why? Because that will help you to start gaining wisdom out of your life. You see, I always thought this, but now I realized God did all of that. Here's where God was in my life. I always thought I was clever, but meanwhile, it was the grace of God. Let me tell you something about the faithfulness of God. Grandparents, you've got stories to tell, y'all. 
But you have to first look back and let God show you. If you came to him late in life, look back. Let him redeem your past. Because the fifth value you as a grandparent are to bring, as a Christ-centered grandparent to bring to your grandkids, is a living gospel. You are a living gospel, can be a living gospel to your children. They can see in you the biblical promise of salvation being fulfilled. And so I want to encourage you. By, um, this, is, this is what 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 to 4. Paul is writing to one of his spiritual children. He said oh, oh, to, to his spiritual children, the church in Corinth, right? So he's writing to them, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So you're talking about generations of Christians. Somebody poured into Paul. Paul starts pouring to others. It's a picture of this multi-generational family that God wants the church to be. Of first importance, what is more important as a grandparent? Being a buddy to your grandkids or to be a living gospel to them? Let me tell you something. Christ-centered grandparenting will show your kids that Jesus is real. Show your grandkids that Jesus is true. He's real. And it's not just for them. For you, it's for them too. You exist to deliver, to echo, and to affirm the gospel to future generations. So that's why we've got to reject this idea that grandparents need to be off there on the side, live their lives independently, and this speaks in a little bit to the generation of grandparents that are actually functioning in retirement already. Because the second cultural lie is that, you know what, I've worked hard and now it's time for me to rest and enjoy myself. Boy, that one hit home. You know, the world tells you, you did your time as if it was a sentence. You know, I was sentenced to parenthood for... I was sentenced to labor. Both of those things are a blessing from the Lord. Work is a blessing from the Lord. If it's Christ-centered work, if you're doing it with a biblical worldview, work is a blessing. It's God's assignment. Work didn't come because of sin. Work existed way before sin. Sin made work hard and, and unenjoyable, but God made work purposeful and full of joy and significance. And the same for parenting. It's not a sentence. But the world will tell you. You did your time. Now you're free. Go travel. Go play. Go, you know, basically do whatever you want to do with no responsibility. And, you know, basically adolescence 2.0. Find yourself again. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Can you see how that is? Completely not in line with, what, I mean, the Bible never speaks, you know, positively to a self-indulgent, self-centered, anything. Season of life, I don't mind what it is. The Bible is not going to affirm any of it for you. But that's what retirement, and that is what our 
Sometimes our goal for our lives have become, man, I need to just work hard, suffer hard, and then I'm going to build up enough money so one day I can buy an RV and just travel all over the country. Not be involved anywhere, not be planted nowhere, not being involved in the community, and not being involved in my family. And the role I need to play as a grandparent in the discipleship of my grandkids. Let me tell you this, your purpose don't end when your working years end. Because your work was never your purpose. Your work is always just a method through which you can live out your purpose. But your purpose remain intact through the seasons of life. That's why you can have purpose as, as, as a, twi- a, a young 20-year-old. That's why you can live your purpose as, as, as a teenager. Listen to me, the, the, the next generation we're, we're trying to raise up, the grandchildren we're trying to raise up, they're not purposeless until one day they get a job, they're a CEO, or their dream job come true. That's when finally their purpose comes true. No. Why do we think like that? Because we've connected purpose to job, to success. No. Purpose is not linked to, to success. Purpose is enduring. Purpose is what God has placed on you to be released by you. Whether you're 5, 14, 18, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100. 20, if you can get there. 120. Purpose remains intact. What is your purpose? And how are you living it out through what you're involved in in this season of your life, whether you're a student, whether you're a boss, a business owner, whether you're an employee, teacher, government official, I don't care what you're doing. You're supposed to live out your purpose through what you are doing. And here's the thing. If you can't, that requires a vocation change. Work is not what God, what brings us money Work is what God tells us to do. And through that, He will support us. He will provide for us. See how we've twisted things around? Now the same for this season of life. This season of life has such incredible um, capacity for influence. But what we've been told is, no, take all of that and just throw it to the wind because this is a season for you to basically just do nothing. All the wisdom you've learned, all the mistakes you made, all the, 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 the successes you've, you've gotten, all of that. <clears throat> just put that in a little packet, tie it up nicely, and throw it in the trash. Why? Because nobody's going to learn from it. Nobody's going to hear about it. Nobody's going to see it. I was going to benefit from it. Why? Because I'm retired, y'all. <laughs> Billy Graham said this, America's pastor. Retirement presents us with two choices. Either we can use it to indulge ourselves, or we can use it to make an impact in the lives of others. Which one are you going to be? Which one are you preparing to be? Which one do you envision for yourself? I'm going to work hard so that one day I can just 
not do anything. No. God has got a purpose for your retirement season. And you have time. And you probably have at least some um, resources that you can apply toward making a difference in the lives of people around you. And for definitely, for definitely the purpose of being a grandparent, being an influencer to your grandchildren. So what happens when our grandchildren see us living a life of self-indulgence? Well, naturally they start believing that that's the way it should be. And so their whole worldview starts being shaped by this, I have to grow up, work, so that one day I can do nothing. Grandparents, y'all have a job to fulfill. And that's to show that there is a different purpose for this season of your lives. You've got value to add in your wisdom, in the good name that you pass along, your Christ-like character, and the gospel that you're living out, that you're a living example of. But we need to bring you close enough in proximity so that that does become experienced. The third lie I believe culture tells us is that, hey, your role as a grandparent is just to be fun. You're supposed to be a companion and a playmate to my children, to your grandchildren. And you know what? Your job is babysitting. It's helping me out when I need to. It's basically just, hey, you are, you are um, backup. And it's from that idea that, you know, the whole concept of, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to spoil them rotten, sugar them up and send them home. <laughs> to your amen, I'm going to say, ouch. But here's what happened if we subscribe to that alone. And give, don't get me wrong. I believe it's imperative that kids have fun with their grandparents. Um, I believe it's, it, it's part of, of the way that we connect with them. But there is a massive difference between purpose and method of connecting. I believe that that should be a method of connecting. They should feel unconditionally loved. They should feel affirmed. They should feel treated. They should feel that, man, it's the greatest thing to come. But why do I want to have them feel that way so that they keep coming? So why? For the primary purpose. If we just send them, you know, sugar them up and send them home, we miss one of the greatest opportunities to be truth echoes and spiritual influencers to their impressionable hearts. We, we, we show them something that is really not biblical. We basically tell them, look, I don't have any purpose. I'm just breathing and waiting, you know, for all this to come to a close because I'm done. I'm done with my purpose. No, they need to see grandparents that have purpose, that have intent, that have a love for God, that are living gospels that they can learn from. Let me ask you this. When they come, would you rather have them ask you for a cookie or for a story of how you slayed giants in your life? 
how God blessed your efforts to accomplish something. Things that you did. There's a difference between primary and secondary roles in grandparenting. So the author here, I've, I've got a quote that, 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 that he says. He says, grandparenting is not primarily about happy grandchildren or healthy relationships. Grandparenting is an artery that carries the gospel to future generations. It's mainly about passing on a rich heritage in Christ to future generations. It's about teaching God's truth, giving testimony to the goodness and greatness of God and living a life shaped by the gospel. That's what biblical grandparenting is about. It's about continuing discipleship. You have something to offer your grandkids that the world cannot offer them. It's the truth. It's embodied truth. It's experienced truth. It's lived out truth. It's not just theory. You've lived through things. And when you looked back and you allowed God to redeem your past, and the word of God went into your past, and it changed your perspectives of how things were done and what things were, uh, were, how things happened, and you realized how God has been involved in your life all this time. Now you've got such a wealth of perspective and things to teach your grandkids. So, I want to describe your place as a grandparent in your family as being that of a disciple maker. Now, that shouldn't be a big surprise. Why? Because discipleship is what we as a church are about. But it's not just because we've chosen something that we feel we can be passionate about. No, we're in response to truth. We're living in response to the Bible that guides us. That the first purpose of every single Christian is to go and make disciples. We've made purpose so such an intangible thing. No, it's really simple. You're called to make disciples. And how and where you live that out is determined by things like your interests, your design, your opportunities, maybe your, you know, your needs and you have to respond to certain things. All of those things are the intangible things that need to get figured out. But we have to be clear right from the get-go that when Jesus called us, he called us to come follow him and he said that he was going to make us fishes of men. So my question to you is, are you fishing for men yet? Because if you're following Jesus, it's going to lead to that. Now, your only excuse could be that I just started following Jesus. <laughs> if you're not fishing yet, <laughs> but you just started following Jesus a couple of months ago or whatever, that's good. All of you veterans of the faith, are you fishing? I'm not asking, are you following? Because if you're following... You will be fishing. Because Jesus is not going to fail. Either we're not following. Or he's failing. And, and I think we're to blame in a sense. The church is to blame in a sense. Because we've 
we've not been clear about this. But let me be abundantly clear that Christians are called to make disciples. Every single one of us, regardless of your personality, regardless of your giftings, regardless of your lack of confidence or your overconfidence. It doesn't say if you're an extrovert and good at leadership and good at talking with people, you're called to make disciples. No. It's just, are you alive, breathing, and love Jesus? You're called to make disciples. Now, how you make disciples might look a little different from what I do. But let's be abundantly clear that the purpose stays. Regardless of who you are and how you are. And that points into every season of life, therefore. Like, are you called to make disciples when you're in, 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 in uh, elementary school? Yes, you are. What? Let me tell you something. Hope he comes to me the other day. It's like, Dad, there's this girl that doesn't believe in God in my class. My girl is like eight. Okay, she just turned nine. She's nine now, but she was eight when she asked me this question. So I said, to her, okay, so what did, you, what did you tell her? Well, I told her she has to believe in God. <laughs> and I said, so that's good. I'm glad you did. Did, she, did it work? No, she said, God doesn't exist. So I said to her, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask her a question. And so I taught her how to, how to do apologetics. She's eight for crying out loud. She came back and she said, I did ask her. I was proud of my girl for standing up for what she believed, but also l being willing to go, okay, something needs to be done about the fact that she doesn't believe in God. You cannot not believe in God because that is the truth. So I gave her a couple of questions. Ask her how all, the, all of nature came about. Where did all this come from? Ask her why is it beautiful? Why is it not just why doesn't it just work? Why must it be beautiful? These are questions that those guys who believe in evolution do not know how to answer. But we know because we have a creator who loves to beautifully express things. Y'all are a bunch of beautiful people. Each of you have beauty endowed upon you by your creator. You were created beautiful. Why aren't we all looking the same? He could have created, well, you know, if, 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 if we, why? It's not necessary for us to look different, for us to perform our humanly functions. These are questions they don't know how to answer. And I taught her that, and she asked her, girl, uh, her friend that, and she came back and said, Dad, she didn't know how to answer that. I said, good, you put a pebble in her shoe. Now, no, that's, that's fine. Let her go think about that. She's going to know that it's not just as simple as saying God doesn't exist. Because there are questions that begs answering if you say God does not exist. For which there are no answers until you come to the realization. No, no, he does exist. Grandparents, you can have that influence on your kids. If you help them, talk with them about these things. But are you close enough so that you can talk to them? So what is my place? Is that of a disciple maker. So let's also confirm that parents are the primary disciple maker. And so parents, I encourage you, have these conversations with your kids. Okay? D uh, don't just brush it off. 
They are called to make disciples no matter how old they are. When they start thinking straight, they can become disciple makers. And it counts throughout all and every season of life, right? So as a grandparent, how can I live out my my secondary role as a disciple maker toward my grandchildren? You know what? If you will continue to disciple your own children, you will indirectly also disciple your grandchildren. Now, I know that all you adult children are going, oh, what is he saying? He's giving them a license to be like, so. So grandparents, let me help you because if you don't get the next part, your children are going to run away from you. Because if you try to disciple them with the wrong approach, they will resent you. They won't appreciate you. There are boundaries and there are things that need to be considered when you consider your role as a disciple maker to your adult children. But you are not called to stop influencing their lives when they become adults. The method for how you do it has to change. And if you will learn this, you will forever be a relevant and appreciated presence in their lives. Okay, you ready for this? The first stage of parenting or disciple making of your children is caregiving. You're a caregiver. You care for all the needs. You do basically do everything for them. It's a thankless job. I know. We're just about to be done with that season of our last kid. But, I mean, it takes a lot of effort for those first couple of years um, to, to, you know, from being an infant to, you know, somewhere in the preschool age. And I'm not definitive on the age because you have to discern when your kid is starting to transition yourself. Some might be earlier than others and some might be later than others. And as a parent, God will give you the wisdom to know once you have this knowledge, how to apply it with wisdom. Psalm 127 is basically this, behold, children are a gift from the Lord. In that season, you just go like, this is my gift, this is my gift, this is my gift. (laughs) It's hard work, but this is my gift. And your response to your child is most often, here, let me do it for you. Let me do it for you. Like, we need to go, and I need to get going. I can't tie my shoes. Let me do it for you. (laughs) The problem is if they're seven and you're still trying to tie their shoes under normal circumstances, then you've skipped a transition. Okay, why? Because the next one is the commander. In the commander season, you're, you're in control of what they do and how they do it. You tell them not like that, like this. Here, do it this way. And then you tell them, now do it. And the response of a parent, which we all love so much, is to do as I tell you because I told you. It's basically just relevant for this season here. Because I said so, I want to teach you to obey my voice. I don't want you to reason with me. I want you to learn obedience. Ephesians 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. 
But this season comes and goes way too quick for our liking. Because the next season of discipleship is that of being a coach. And when you become a coach to your children, you can't the whole time tell them because I said so anymore. You have to start explaining why. They have to start applying reason. They have to start linking God's will, your will, the relationship, the consequences of not listening, all together in a framework for decision-making that will guide them forward for the rest of their lives and help them make good decisions. You're training them how to make decisions while they're still super endearing and while they still believe that you are the best thing since sliced bread. If you miss this season, you're going to try and do this in a season where they don't think much of you, too much of you like they used to, where they don't just intrinsically believe everything you said. In this phase, your children asking why, it's not a challenge because they don't believe. It's a request for growth. Help me understand is what they're saying. I want to know what you thought. I want to know what you saw. Why do I have to do this? What's going to happen if I don't? That's the appeal of their hearts because they actually do believe that they need to do this. It's not that they're in rebellion. It's that they're in growth. So in this season of being a coach, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So in this season, you're inviting them. Come see what I do. Do as I do. Here's why we're doing it. And you're helping them to understand the intricacies of life. You're starting to teach them how other people feel about what you're saying. You're starting to teach them how they should say things rather than just what they should say. And you're telling them why they need to say it this way. If you do this great, or just decently actually to be honest, the next season which is being a counselor, will see your children actually appreciate your wisdom and your understanding. A coach basically is the season where your child starts maturing. It's adolescence and young adulthood. And when I say young adulthood, I'm meaning anything from 16 to 20. Y'all will call them kids. The Bible calls them young adults. It's true. When their physiological bodies start changing, they start entering into maturity. They start entering into adulthood. And it's our job to coach them into the emotional adulthood that their physical bodies are transitioning into. If we keep them in the phase of, hey, you do as I say, you do as I say because I said so, we're suppressing their emotional growth. And at some point, that suppression leads to explosion. And then they don't want anything to hear of you anymore. But if you will coach them up, if you will teach them the whys, if you will show them how to reason and how to come to the same conclusions as you, by the time that they're adults, they think like you. Because you've told them how you think. In this season of being a counselor, you... You basically offer biblical guidance and biblical uh, 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 advice. You're no longer in control. 
Now they've probably left home, they're off to college or something. They're adults, they're legally adults. But we still want them to listen to us like they're five. And if you're a parent and you treat your kids like that, you'll probably get a a tearing away response from your child. If you're a grandparent and you try to treat your adult kids like that, you're going to be resented. So when we talk about boundaries that shouldn't be crossed, actually this is what we're referring to. We're talking about method of approach. How do I approach you with my wisdom? How do I offer what I have to give to you in a way that it doesn't feel like you're open my mouth and trying to stuff information down my throat? A counselor asks permission. May I speak to you about something? Can I give you my opinion about X, Y, and Z? And if there's a no thank you, then there's a back away. Say, all right. Not a, okay, but I really think you should know that blah, 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 blah. No. Whatever you blah, 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 blah out there is literally just going to be trampled on. This is a season where you have to understand you can't throw your pearls in front of somebody that's going to be receptive to it because it's going to be trampled upon and there's going to be resentment growing. There's going to be, and there's going to be a tear in relationship. It's a, it's a difficult season for parents to transition to because why? You've got so much to give. You've learned things, haven't you? You've seen things. You want to warn. You want to protect. You want to, but you know what? You need to learn to be more like God in this season. Does God stop us from every stupid thing that we decide to do? No. Did he counsel against all of those things? Yes. And so when we do stupid things, what does he do? I told you so. No. He goes, unconditionally acceptance, unconditional love. Would you like to talk about this? God waits till you come to him in this season of being a counselor and the next one, you have to essentially wait for your kids to come to you. It's difficult. It's hard. But there's ways that you can promote that. I'm going to tell you about that just now. The last one is being a consultant. You know, um, in Proverbs 15, sorry, the counselor uh, part, Proverbs 15, 22, um, says that without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Listen to me, when you're in your early 20s, take your parents out for dinner. Ask them how they did this, how they did that. What did they do in this situation? What would they have done in that situation? You're not making a commitment to do everything that they told, but you're trying to learn from their life. You're gaining from them. You're trying to gather from them. The more you actually ask of them to explain and to teach you, the less they'll want to stuff it down your throat. So realize that they've got value in that season of your life. Don't reject them and their opinions. Learn from it. doesn't mean that you're going to do everything they say. It just means that you're gaining perspective. You're Setting yourself up with all the information you need to start making decisions for yourself. But 
counsel and many advisors during this young adulthood phase, 20s and over, is so important. Speak to many people. Ask many people many questions. Don't think you got it all figured out. Then you're going to make all the same mistakes everybody else did. Right? The last phase, and this becomes the permanent disposition that you find yourself, once your child is kind of like become you know, their own parent, and they've got settled into their philosophy of life and, 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 and kind of thing, and that's being a consultant. And you know what a consultant does to get somebody to talk to them? They advertise. <laughs> they just advertise. Let me know when you need my counsel. It's not requesting. It's not motivating. It's just offering and when that phone call comes and says hey dad i need to talk if you don't drop everything <laughs> and make yourself available you've missed one of the best and most beautiful moments <laughs> in that that season has to offer you see problems will surface when parents seek to control the decisions of an adult child so their parenting philosophy is going to differ from yours and if you want to continue to influence your grandkids and play your role as an adult child disciple maker, you're going to have to understand that it's different. And it, it's, just because it's different, it's not necessarily wrong. Different generations have different perspectives about things. I see this between me and my parents. And what they did and how they did it was not necessarily intrinsically wrong. And how we're doing it is not essentially intrinsically wrong, but it's different, and so it causes conflict. If one generation don't understand the previous, and if the previous don't accept the next. What we have to realize is, is we don't have authority over anybody anymore. Yeah, but the Bible says, honor your parents. Yes, yes. the Bible does say, honor your father and mother. The Bible doesn't say, do all the stupid things they did. Honor is a matter of relationship and, 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 and love and esteem. It's not a matter of having to completely be an idiot and just do everything as they did. Because when they did it, they were probably idiots. And now, well, what are we doing? We're just perpetuating stupidity. No, we can learn from one another. And we can change. We can be better. So don't attempt to control your adult child's decisions and things how they do. And if you get them lucky, if you're lucky, you get them in the phase of being a counselor. You can, you can, you know, express desire to speak into certain things. Hey, can I can I give you some advice about this? Hey, would you like me to show you how we used to do this? Um, but the better way to go about it is say, Hey, help me understand how you see this. Open up a conversation so that they may explain to you where they're at. And then you can offer, mm, that's different from how we saw it. Would you like to know? And if they say, no, 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 we, we got this, zip it. <laughs> Until you see them like just, you know, running toward an absolute, you know, cliff and they're going to just tumble off it. Obviously, there's... That's a different scenario. I'm not talking about what is perceived as a crisis intervention, but I am talking about natural life and natural continuation of influence. 
most of adult child parenting slash discipleship will be in the counselor consulted realm and method. And I want to teach you, I want to show you something. How do I get them and encourage them to reach out to me in this phase as a grandparent? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, make yourself available. Like I said, if you get that call, jump. Try the best you can. I understand there are things that you know you're simply impossible to do. But this is a moment where you really try and make yourself available. Let them know that they are a priority and that you are available. Become an askable parent. These are real practical things. Become an askable parent. Use phrases like, feel free to call me. Y'all would say, holler if you need me. I said that weird, right? Holler if you need me. Let me know how I can help. But if the requests don't come, don't just show up and go, hey, I'm here to help. If you do that, really do it being spirit-led. Don't just do it because you feel offended they didn't ask you. Regularly call with no agenda. I feel like these are basic relational things, but it's sometimes it just needs to be said again. Call with no agenda. If your children know that you don't call with agendas each time you call, they'll see calls as opportunities to get to something that they actually wanted to talk about. But if you always have an agenda, it's just not going to lead to that. And then ask them how you can pray for them. How can I pray for you? And even if they don't respond, pray anyways. <laughs> pray anyways. Keep praying for them. And the second way to really be a grandparent that's Christ-centered, that are invested in the discipleship of your grandchildren, is actually become intentional about your times with your grandchildren. Don't just see each opportunity that you have with your grandkids as an opportunity to just spoil them rotten, sugar them up, and send them home. Give them something life-giving while they are with you. How do you do this? Let your relationship that you build be Christ-centered. How do you build a Christ-centered relationship with your grandchild? Well, it involves learning about them seeing where they're at, what they know, asking questions, good questions that get them talking about matters of faith, relationships, how things are going in school with their friends and, and, and things like that, with their, their academic stuff. Questions that actually want to learn about them, not just the, you know, oh, how are you? You're doing well? Great. Okay, let me put on, put on, put on a TV show for you. You can speak blessing over them. Find scriptures in the Bible that actually blesses them with a spiritual blessing. And when they are with you, speak that over them. Lay your hands on them and pray for them and prophesy over them. You're going to be a world changer. Man, you are beautiful. You are so strong. Don't think that those things are, oh, really? I've said those things to my kids in passing and turned around and saw that they have tears in their eyes. I didn't even discern that they were going through a hard time. 
or something was wrong. But just because I made a habit of blessing them and speaking these things over, over them, I literally happened upon it. And thank God I did, because they needed it in that moment. And I didn't even know they needed it. Your children needs validation. Your grandchildren needs the love of God revealed to them. They need those affirmations that tell them they matter. They're good enough. They've got what it takes. Don't just pray for them in private. Pray over them when they are with you. And read the Bible with them and ask them what they think about it. That's how you build a Christ-centered. It's centered around Christ relationship with your grandkids. And then tell God stories of your own life with them, for, to them. Tell God stories. Now, some of you might think, like, oh, I can't tell my grandkids. They're, they're adults. Yes, you can't. You have to first advertise a little. And pray and wait for them to come and say, hey, granddad, Talk to us about when you started your business. Let me tell you how God helped me with that in a time that I didn't even realize it. Reframe your past as God's story so that when your grandchildren happen to ask you about your life previous, you can glorify God's involvement in it for them. That they might see you're a living gospel presentation to them let me tell you this share the gospel no but that's the parents job yes that is the parents job and if the parent has done that job then you will be an echo praise God but if the parent hasn't gotten to it yet or the parent doesn't know how to do it do it it doesn't matter who shares the gospel and who prays somebody to be saved. It matters that they get the gospel and that they are prayed with to get saved. And children will have multiple times where they make commitments to Jesus throughout their, throughout their development as they realize more and more what it is to, means to be. But don't, don't say, oh, this will happen somewhere. Church will do it. Children's church will do it. No, you do it. Tell them the truth about God. Share the gospel. Share the story of the cross with them. Tell them that their sins are forgiven because God loved them in Jesus Christ. Tell them, show them, pray with them. Do it. Don't hold back with the gospel. They will love you for it. One day they will look back and they'll go, my, my parents, my grandparents, my family led me to the Lord. And they all were concerned with my faith from a very young age. And I am so thankful to God for it. You know how we preserve kids from taking spins in the world? It's through multi-generational, confirming, affirming, echoing, gospel, presentation, living. They will find themselves in Jesus long before the world has a chance to even tell them that you need to do something weird to find yourself. They will know who they are and they will walk and operate in their purpose and have the greatest times of their life way before the world tells them, for you to have enjoyment, you need to do X, Y, and Z stupid thing. Grandparents, we have an opportunity. 
we have an opportunity to set the next generation up. And that might be grandparents, and that might be for great-grandparents. Don't hold back. pray for grandparents and pray for grandbabies and grandkids and pray for our families. Heavenly Father, we, we realize that our perspectives are often ill-informed. And so today we just want to consider these truths about your purpose for grand, the season of grandparenting and ask you, God, to, to renew our minds renew our minds. Let us see the value and the purpose and significance of this season. Father, I pray for us who are not grandparents yet that we might prepare ourselves to one day be Christ-centered grandparents, not the grandparents that the, wor- that the world teaches us to be, but that we might make it our goal to be able to leave a legacy of faith and a heritage of a relationship with you and our parents, our kids um, and, and their kids. God, I pray that we might lift our vision higher and we might see your kingdom, grandparenting through the kingdom lens. And we might live truly, not with our retirement in mind, but with eternity in mind, God that we might live with the possibility uh, of having our family all included in the kingdom and the joy of seeing our kids and their kids and their kids serve you, Jesus. Let that be a driving force in our hearts as we develop our own lives, as we develop our own characters, as we deal with our own sin and our own stupidity. Father, I pray that you will develop in us those type of grandparents that honor you, advance your kingdom through discipleship of our families until the day we die and go to you. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.